Hello. Hi, Carmel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. It's really good to actually um, be chatting with you. And I've got Toby with me today too, so we're going to be, uh, the three of us are going to have a great chat for Beauty and Business. Yeah, hi, hi, hi Carmel. We're excited to be uh, to be chatting with you today and hi to everyone listening. Um, we've got a pretty exciting exciting sort of a uh, um, a topic today because uh, Carmel, um, actually, uh, Carmel, the medical intuitive, and she can, I guess, tell us a little bit more about herself, but... Um, I'll just I'll just uh I'll just throw in that she's actually actually died uh and was had uh was clinically dead. Was it for forty five minutes, Carmel? Was that correct? Forty forty seven minutes after I was found. So they mm-hmm. speculate um it could you know, could have been over an hour, they're not sure. But forty seven minutes when I was Hmm. And we're actually and we're actually talking to you right now. That's incredible. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Certainly. So perhaps we could start. Are you able to just um, share with us a bit a bit about the story and a bit about about what happened um, from your perspective? Uh, well, you know, from my perspective, it's actually been uh, a long story. I guess when I was uh, in my teens. I was told that I would die when I was 47 years of age by um, a spirit guide. And so I I was always really driven to succeed and to get my message out into the world. And when I turned 47, I'd actually forgotten all that. I hadn't remembered that at all. And um, then I remember about two months, I think, before I died, I suddenly knew that I was going to die and it was time to clear up my affairs and make arrangements and give away things and say goodbye to people. And I thought, you know, this is really strange. And so I went and were I looked... You, were you ill? Like, like... No, no, I, no, I, I wasn't ill. In fact, I was I was very fit. Um, well, I think you met me during that stage. Elle certainly knew me then. I was absolutely crazy fit. And, you know, I would go jogging every day, like, jump out of bed, hop on the treadmill if it was bad weather and, you know, or go running in the streets. And I would run before I had breakfast and went to work. So what gave you this sense? What gave you this sense? Where did that come from? That's an amazing thing to think that you're going to die. Like, I just... Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was just a a sudden knowing and looking at my energy much as I do with clients. I sort of looked at myself and in the mirror and I could see the energy around me and how it had changed and I thought, right, okay, I'm going to die. It's time to get ready and I better warn Bernie, my husband. So I went to the doctors and I said I'm to my doctor and I said, look, I'm going to die. Uh, I need to find out what's going to kill me. And what did so she say? <laughs> well, she, she knew me. So mm-hmm. she said, all right, Carmel, I'll, I'll humour you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they put it, you know, I said, she said, what do you think it is? And I said, well, it's my heart. My heart's going to stop and I don't know why. It's just going to stop. And she said, well, it's very unlikely, but she put a 24-hour monitor on me. So they, you know, read my heart rate for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And it was perfectly normal, very stable. Handed it back in. They said everything's fine. But I still knew that I was going to die. And so, can just come, can I just backtrack just a little bit because I think what's really important for all our listeners is to find out what you actually do uh, uh, for a living. 
because that that's going to answer their questions. They're probably listening now, going, "Whoa, this is this is out there." <laughs> yes, it is. Sorry, girl. Well, what, <laughs> what I actually do for a living is I'm a medical intuitive. That's right. And uh, that means that I'm like a human MRI machine. I read people's energy systems, and I'm actually uh, the only non-medically trained practitioner who is a member of the Integrative Medical Association in Australia. So even though I'm not medically trained, I'm a member of that association. That's amazing. That's such an an accomplishment, really. Like that says so much about, you know, your level of... uh, You tell us. Don't let me be the person that talks. I just want to listen to you the whole time during this interview. I think it's amazing. So tell us what what got you to that that level, and then we'll go back to to the story, because I think it's important for people to have a, a basis. Right to the level of doing what I do. Well, just you know, to be in the in that in that position without being a doctor and to be to be put into the the association, like well, that that itself is a little bit of a story too. Because I remember when I was four years of age, my my father is a compounding pharmacist, my mother is a psychologist, my godfather was a medical doctor, and all their friends were doctors or nurses or or pharmacists. So I was surrounded by medical people growing up and it was a normal sort of thing to be aware of drugs and how drugs were made and what happened with the body and when people were sick and to care for people and that kind of stuff. And I remember when my, I was living in Uroa at the time, I remember when I was four years of age, my godfather, who was a doctor, Dr. Jerry Warming, came down to to visit me because he was he was very fond of me and he walked into our house and he picked me up and swung me around and gave me a big hug and I suddenly knew that he was going to die and I just remember in my little brain sort of going <gasps> at what age were you sorry four four wow that's yeah. it's amazing yeah. you can remember when you were four that's... oh I can remember from when I was a baby really? no. wow. yeah yeah. So I put my hand on his chest and I said, what's wrong here, Uncle Jerry? And he laughed at me and said, nothing's wrong. Everything's fine, darling. And off he went. But that was the last time I saw him alive. Within three weeks, I think thereabouts, he had actually died of a cardiac arrest. Wow, amazing! And, um, so, was yeah. that scary for you as a little ba- a little child like that to actually know these things? I mean, I can imagine that that would be frightening or not. Yeah, it was very frightening, particularly as very few people would believe me mm-hmm. when I. Well, I was just going to say that you must you must have had an incredible experience in growing up uh, dealing with uh, perhaps some level of stigma around. Oh. You know what what happens for you? Yeah, a huge level of stigma. To be honest, I was um, ostracised most of my life by uh, school friends and most of my um, paternal family. So my father's family, his sisters and um, grandparents wouldn't let any of their children and so forth play with me. Mm-hmm. They were not. They were not to play with Carmel, and and they um, went out of their way to make my life uncomfortable. 
And uh, but my yeah, mother's really family it's just the fear, isn't it? Just people being afraid yes. of what they don't understand and what they don't know. So you were obviously born into this ability, like you have the ability to really be able to see. Like, what do you see? Can you tell us? Yes, I can. When I when I look at somebody either physically or in my mind, I see an energy like a, a haze or a mist coming out of them, and I initially will will assess them on what colour and how dense that mist is as to how much energy they have. And then when I ask them questions, I've taught myself key questions through my career. And I know, for instance, if I ask about their mother, what kind of patterns will show up that will tell me if they've got a good relationship, bad relationship, or um, what part of their body. Because often with the mother, for instance, the, the sexual organs um, and the breasts are very heavily involved, or the shoulders. And then I will ask about the father, and I look and I see where the energy is changing down their legs and onto their feet, and often through the intestines is affected by the father, um, lower back, that sort of thing. And then we ask about siblings, which will bring in the ribs, and um, spleen and kidneys and then I'll ask about best friends which tends to bring in gallbladder and so it's like that our body is affected by different relationships we've had in our life and from observing and charting all these patterns I worked out that there was a pattern that when I asked them about their mum this is what would come up and if it looked like this it meant you know that this area of their body was sick so somebody comes to me and says I'm worried that I've got kidney cancer I will ask them questions that will show me if they do that's amazing and how how is this Carmel um what's the reaction that you get from the, uh, the medical community around this I mean you've been accepted into an association you've had uh the fact that you've You've been clinically uh, uh, dead for that period of time, and we'll, we can go back into that for some yep. some time. I believe I remember we were at your book launch, and I remember you saying that you were you were not. Uh, you've also been on on TV and on the news. It's been reported um, yep. from memory, and um, the fact that like how is it received that these um, everything that that you you do, and as well um, the like. I mean, I'm sure, I don't know, but I'm sure that there would be a lot of doctors in the world that would see it as an impossibility for someone to be dead for that period of time. And on top of that, uh, uh, not only that by itself, but on top of that, um, you know, issues like brain damage, like like all of the things that, that sort of all of the consequences of that. How is that yeah. received? Like, how do you find like you've been accepted into this um, this um, integrated medicine um, association? And how how is everything received? Are you uh, do you perceive that um, minds are opening in more recent years, or um, like that it used to be more rigid and judgmental, but it's not so much now, or is it still or? Just it depends. It depends on the doctor, to be honest. Like a lot of my clients are actually medical doctors themselves, so okay. they come and they use my services for their own health. And then mm-hmm. you'll get the ones who will just always 
be very sceptical. And as I like to point out to them, it's very unscientific to be sceptical because science can't prove anything. It gives a hypothesis and makes it the most likely. Science is the art of disproving, if anything. And um, I deliberately chose a medical doctor or medical doctors who are sceptics because I didn't want them to get lazy in their treatment of me. If I come in and I say I've got a problem, I want them to investigate it without taking my word for it. Mm-hmm. So you know, scepticism, scepticism has its place. But the doctors that, that believe in me and use my services are fantastic. A lot of them, the ones that write books, for instance, will often get me to write a testimonial for their book or they'll send it to me for to read uh-huh. and see what I think of it. So, you know, they're really good. And um, the ones that are heavily sceptical, and some can get quite a, uh, quite abusive, but that's not just in the medical world, that's in the alternative world too. Mm-hmm. I just look at them and smile and say, look, when you need me, you'll love me. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can really see you saying that to them. I love <laughs> Yeah. That's fantastic. And so when if we go back, I think that that's been really good because we get like a real idea of who Carmel is and what she, you know, like her past. And I mean, we could just talk for hours and hours and I really would love to do another one of these and really just draw out as much as we can uh, for our girls because I love offering them all these amazing ways of looking at life and opening up their minds and, and their perspective. It's just so fantastic, isn't it? I mean, you're absolute proof of that. So I want to go back to what happened when you, when Bernie found you and you, or even before that, I'll let you, you know, take charge of the, the story because it's your story and I think you would be able to say it much better than me sort of, uh, putting you in a, in a, in a beginning or an end place. So go ahead. Tell us about that night and what actually happened. Okay. Well, that night we had gone out to a wedding. So on, Valentine's Day, we'd gone, I think it was, we went to my niece's wedding, which was a really, really lovely night. And I remember getting ready for it in the sort of late afternoon. And I walked into our bathroom to put on makeup. And all of a sudden, it was like something incredible that I've never felt before fell onto my head and ran over my body. And I literally fell to my knees in the bathroom, overcome with this weight, but I knew it was emotional. And I just started to cry like I have never cried before. I could not stop. I must have cried for about 20 minutes until I realized that I was running out of time, time to get up and get dressed. So I sort of got up and tried to stop myself crying and I got dressed and I put on makeup and I remember looking in the mirror and looking into my eyes and to myself in the mirror you are and anyway Bernie and I went to the wedding and we had a great time played with everybody and danced and you know and it was a, a cross marriage my um nephew to be was a Muslim and his bride, my niece, was becoming a Muslim. So it was sort of like a Christian Muslim wedding, which was really nice. And we had this wonderful, wonderful time. And we came home to bed sort of about 12.30 and um, took off makeup, got dressed, hopped into bed. And I thought to myself, I wonder if I should tell Bernie 
I'm going to die tonight. And I thought, oh, don't be ridiculous. Go to sleep. So I did. I just gave him a kiss and a hug and like normal and rolled over and went to sleep. And about three hours later, I remember waking up and I sort of woke up and I thought, oh, I'm a bit dizzy. This is strange. Why am I standing? Because I was standing up and I thought, why am I standing up? This is really odd. And then I looked down and went, oh, gosh, that's me in bed. So I was looking at myself and I was lying on my back and I was breathing funny. And then it slowly started to sink in in this really, in this queer kind of way that was a shock, but not a shock. It, It really wasn't. It was very calm that I was looking at me and I used to astral traveling and this was actually nothing like astral traveling and I was right here looking at me but I felt no real connection and no distress and then the room around me started to fade and I could see another place and I walked a step or two forward into this other place but still where I was and that's when I realized that you know heaven is not up it's not down heaven is actually here where we are in a different dimension so people who have died are as close as your arms reach all the time just in a different dimension I stepped into heaven and then this angel came up to greet me and while he's walking towards me with another man beside him who I recognized from a death experience I've had when I was four um, I saw my grandparents who died and I saw my dog Voltron who died and my rabbit Smokey and all these other people I saw um, two of my nephews who died in infancy and they had grown up to be um, adults and I started to to talk to them while waiting for this angel who told me he was Metatron to arrive and they asked me to pass messages on to their mothers and one of the children who had actually been a twin and the twin is still alive he asked me to pass a message on to his his surviving twin brother and um, then this being reached me and he told me that he was Metatron and I remembered him from when I was four and we had met before and then the other being came up and said oh hello Jesus uh, Carmel I am Jesus your father and your grandfather and basically then we started to have a very intense conversation about what they wanted me to do if I came back to earth they told me that my life was over. I had met my contract with them, but I could come back if I wished to to help pass that on and um, look after my children and other people. And I agreed to that. You probably hear in my voice of how actually distressing I still find it today. Yes. Yeah. To remember that and to know, like, when I sit and I look at everything I've gone through in my life since that time, they told me that it would be hard. And I said, yes, I know hard. And they said, it will be much harder than you realize, Carmel. Mm. 
Machada. And um, they were right. But here I am, still and on this earth. So, so what, what was your next memory, sort of after that? Like, like what with, <clears throat> yeah, what... My next memory was, well, was actually watching the ambulance officers from Spirit resuscitating my my body. I think they gave me um, oh, it's either 12 electric shocks and three shots of, you know, three in adrenaline uh, um, shots or the other way around. I can't ever remember. It's three of one and 12 of the other. Mm-hmm. And it was actually 47 minutes of CPR on my chest. Mm-hmm. And so the ambulance came, came came to your house and did this at yep. your house, or you were taken to hospital? No, at, at my house. Okay. And Carmel, at why my... did they why did they work on you for so long? Like it... it's not it's not usual to go that long. I know, but Bernie, my husband, uh, was a, an ambulance paramedic and had trained a lot of staff and that sort of thing. So they all knew him, and I guess. I was young, I was fit, there was nothing wrong with me and that with knowing Bernie, they decided to keep going for as long as they could and in fact they had just reached the stage where they looked at each other and said, shall we call it? And that is when I came back to life. They'd actually taken away everything and stopped and and were about to call time of death when I started to breathe again and they were all shocked. In fact, I know that um, uh, one of the paramedics, I saw on the interview that we, when you were on, your, on the news, and one yep. of the paramedics, just, you know, he was just, a couple of them were saying they just couldn't believe it. <laughs> they yeah. just started, like, he just came back. It was like yep. they just could not believe what was happening. Like, you can imagine yep. to them what a shock that would be. Yeah, it was a huge shock. It still is a huge shock to them, actually. Whenever we um, sort of meet, which we haven't met up for a few years now, but prior to this last few years, we'd meet, and it was still a shock to and, them. And then when you when you went to the hospital, I know that because we did come to your book launch because you've got a book out, which I would like yeah. to actually share with the girls um, if they wanted to to read it. Uh, Why, you know, I mean. It's, such a beautiful book. I remember reading it, but um, I remember coming to your to the launch of it and you sharing that um, they really like you were at the stage where it was almost like you weren't going to be able to, like you're almost ready to go into a. They were going to put you into a nursing home or something. Yeah, they were. Yep, because I'd been I'd been in a coma and had the um, oxygen deprivation, and they thought that I. In fact, they told Bernie that he needed to find a nursing home because if I ever recovered, I would no longer be functional, that I would be a vegetable. And I was in the coma at that stage, but in a coma, you kind of float up and down. You reach a level of awareness and then you back down at it again. I remember being quite aware when he was talking to the intensivist over this and he said to this doctor, you don't know Carmel. And that was all he said. Well, I think within about four hours, he'd gone home and I had pulled myself out of the coma. Amazing. And, Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yes. 
and rolled myself onto the floor, I might add, because they didn't expect me to be waking up, so they had the sides down. And I rolled out of the bed, straight onto the floor, wow. good job, and pulled out all, all like pulled out my tube, from the intubation tube and all the um, drips and the catheter. Now, let me tell you, never do that. <laughs> okay, I won't. <laughs> no. A de-ballooned, you know, never pull out a catheter that hasn't had the balloon taken oh, down. No. Oh, no. That, that, that's the hardest injury to repair from, trust me. <laughs> I have two two questions, Carmel, that just came to mind. One one was just to clarify, when um, um, for any of our listeners, when you say you died for 47 minutes, just to clarify, yeah. that's no heartbeat whatsoever and no breath. No heartbeat, yep. No heartbeat. Yeah, I was dead when Bernie found me. I was blue, and um, amazing. My second question that I had was um, because I know there's a lot of interesting um, literature and sort of research, if you will, on near death experiences and so on. And uh, uh, I know that it's uh, it's been it's been proposed that people will see what is in some way relevant to them. So, for example, um, I don't know, a Buddhist may see a Buddha, a, a, a Christian sees, sees, you know, Jesus, um, and so on and so on. Did you, um, are you Christian? Like, did you have a Christian background or do you, do you sort of, uh, like, I know, for, for example, it's been argued that when, when people see a white light, um, in near-death experiences or if they actually die for, you know, short periods of time, that often that sort of uh, tunnel of white light, because your peripheral vision slowly goes and goes in, in the physical process of death, that the darkness sort of closes around and the last thing that they remember is is that and there's some sort of a, a biological explanation for that. So there's all these different... Um, you know thoughts about it, um, um, but yeah. I'm just interested. Are you are you are you Christian, or do you sort of think that your experience of having the experience of seeing Jesus? What was that? What was that about? Well, that was actually, I think, because um, physiologically we are meant to my my family, birth family, um, originates from the line that supposedly comes from Jesus, and. My my father was my father is Christian, so is my mother now. Uh, me, I I don't have a particular belief. I believe in in a force because I've seen that force greater than anything we have, and I believe that that force is what varying people call uh, God or Yahweh or Buddha or Moses or. Allah or whatever, mm-hmm. I think that it is exactly the same force and it doesn't have a human form. I think Jesus appeared to me because that is what I was comfortable with. I, I you know, to the same energy being may look, you know, appear to other people as a turtle. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not? Um, angels. Hmm? Sorry, go on. I was going to say angels are universal for every religion. So mm. I think, you know, 
angels nobody seems to have trouble with, but it's who you call the the boss, as it were. Well, I don't know that you have to call them anything. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the what was the uh, the feedback or the explanation of everything from from the hospital and the medical doctors and community? Did they have an explanation as to, or like, was it was was it it biologically explained not your experience, but the fact that you'd sort of been clinically dead for that period of time was like what was their, their response? Their explanation was they had no explanation. They don't mm-hmm. know. Okay. Yeah. They don't, they don't know how I did so well or, or anything like that. They put me into a rehab hospital, and I was in there for six weeks. I think eight weeks after. I died, I um, went for a driving test and they gave me back my licenses um, and I basically went functional except for memory. My memory has uh, never been quite the same nor my vocalisation, my voice because of the damage from the tubing. I have a a weak voice now, sadly, and um, so you're like a walking miracle, is what you're telling us, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's what they that's what they say. I know I have seen hospital stuff. In fact, my sister's sister-in-law was one of the nurses who saw me, so she actually knew about me being in hospital and dead before my family did, and. Um, Still, all these years later, when I see her, she just looks at me and says, Carmel, you are a miracle. I cannot believe I'm talking to you. Amazing. Isn't that amazing? What a beautiful mm. story. I just love it so much. And I um, I know that you're trying to create a – is it a, a – you're getting a script written or – Yeah. Well, a, a, movie, a movie production house is interested in – turning my book into a movie. Now, whether or not that ever happens is, I don't know, but they're interested in looking at it. But before I can do that, I have to get a script written and presented to them. They've already read the book, which is why they're interested. And it's like, well, we'd like to have a look at a script. So I found a script writer who is just the most amazing lady. She's done a lot of work in Australia and overseas and uh, and she's really excited to do the project, but I've got to uh, get up enough funds to pay her for the initial, because, you know, the different stages of initial rights, and then we'll get it to the production house, and then, you know, just like the whole process of doing that. Yeah, is, that's, um, that's amazing, and I what, what a beautiful movie that, you know, people could watch, and, and I think it's just about giving people a different perspective and breaking down hmm. some of those those uh, hard beliefs that we have and, uh, and and bringing something, presenting something to someone and saying, well, what about this? And it's kind of like it challenges us as human beings mm-hmm. and it makes us have to look into things in a, and reflect a little bit more than we even take, you know, we don't even spend any time of day most of the time to reflect on things like this, but you're just a walking, talking, living. <laughs> yeah, um, living. I tell everybody I'm a zombie. Oh. <laughs> you definitely don't look like a zombie. I remember seeing you after that at the at the launch, and I just 
because, I mean, I've known you a very, very long time. Like, you know, how many years? Like, I can't even remember now. And then when I think of you at the book launch, you were just you've like this. You've longer than you've known me. Yes, yeah. this is true. Yeah. And I remember saying to Toby, I just couldn't believe you were, like, glowing. Like, I, it was like... It, it wasn't like someone that had, you know, come back from the dead and they look like a zombie. You look like this angelic kind of like, I don't know, you had something about you that was just so amazing mm. for me and I, it was just radiating and I was, I was just incredible. I, I loved it and I love, I love being connected with you. I always keep in touch with what you're doing, um, on Facebook and just, uh, touching base. I want to ask you, I want to thank you actually, in fact, yeah. before I do anything else. For sharing this really incredible story with us. I, I want to thank you for giving us your time and just revisiting it. And I know, like I could hear it in your voice before when you were sharing it, how, you know, what, how deeply profound and profoundly you're moved and touched by what occurred to you even still. And I just want to really, yeah. you know, I really want to honor that and, and say that I really had a sense of that. And, and thank you. I really appreciate it. And I know our listeners will too. And, um, I just want to ask you one thing as a medical intuitive, and it almost feels like a little bit sort of lame to go there, but I, you know, like my, my, my beautiful community and our audience is so important to me. And I just want to see if we can just get one little thing in for them, even though we've given them so much. Yes. Um, to concentrate. I would love to. As a, as a medical intuitive, what is it that you would uh, suggest to uh, someone that is um, has it, how, what is the best way for someone to look after their their, their health or their because I know it's all about energy and I know that yeah. how, what would be the best thing and Toby maybe you can even put it in, in words well, what comes to mind um, is what we hear consistently at a, on, on our um, at our live events and online with all of our community um, and when we're connecting with salon owners from around the world, is that um, overwork, uh, not enough time, exhaustion at the end of the day, all of these sorts of things tend to be a common theme that we hear amongst business owners and amongst salon owners. Um, so yeah, I, guess, I, guess, I guess what would you say from your perspective, what would you say would be the best way to, to sort of manage that? Right. Well, for them to revitalize their energy, because I know with with people who are in that line of work, one of the things they find happens is that they get drained of energy by the contact continuously with people, uh, even if it's via the phone. And energy is something that takes time to build up, which is why we eat and we go to bed and sleep. But sometimes you don't have that time. You've got client after client or you've got to go out or that kind of thing. So what I always do when I'm low in energy and in between clients is in my mind, I imagine that there is energy, a ball of energy in the earth. And I know, El, you said that you've told your clients about grounding. Yes, I, I, so, I always, in our masterclasses, I always will share with the girls um, what you shared with me and I always tell them about you actually and how amazing you are. But um, thank yes, you. I do, I do talk about grounding and stealing, but not, I mean, it's coming from the masters 
mouth right now. This is pretty cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll take them. One of the first things you need to do is make sure you're grounded into the earth. And so in your mind, you see a small red circle and out of the bottom of that red circle, you let a cord grow down into the earth. Now, be content that that cord will grow as long as it needs to be so you don't have to worry about it just pulling up out of the earth. And then you imagine or visualize that there is a golden cord growing up from your crown, the top of your head, heading off into the universe. Now, the interesting thing is once you've got those cords there to revitalize your energy system, you can imagine that there is a lovely beautiful sort of bronzy gold energy coming back up that grounding cord in through your base chakra moving up your body into your solar plexus or your stomach and then you can turn your attention to the universe and imagine that a silvery blue energy is coming down the cord into your crown chakra and then running all the way through your body likewise into your stomach and then you let those two gorgeous gold and silver energies just mix and mingle together and they will infuse and permeate your body. They will go through your body and you'll find that in a few minutes you actually have a lot more energy than you had before. Now that's basically like having a half an hour nap and lovely soft boiled egg. <laughs> So really what that's doing is just um, re reconnecting, realigning, like, and actually uh, getting our energy, like pulling energy in. And uh, because yeah. energy is abundant, isn't it? It's like it's not limited in any way, shape, or form. And it's just, yeah. Now, the, the, earth, the earth is full of energy, as is the universe, like through the air. You know, if, I, if we were in a room together, I could actually show you how to scoop up the energy in the air and even how to see the energy in the air like all the little sparkles and scoop it up and let it fall all over you because when you're low in energy you tend to actually push energy away you know as, as we know like once you say if you haven't eaten for hours and you're starving remember how hard it is to actually eat to get that first mouthful down kind of thing because you're too hungry mm -hmm. well it's the same with it's the same with energy so you can pull more energy in slowly, but the pulling the the earth energy up through that grounding cord and in through the body and the universal energy down into the body, both into the solar plexus where they can find their own balance, will really pick you up. Like while I was talking to you guys about it, I was doing it, and I tell you what, I'm really I'm full of beans now. Me too. I was doing it while you were actually saying it. I'm thinking, yeah. wow. How about yeah. I do this all the time? What's going on? Yeah. This is a beautiful reminder. <laughs> yes. I'm doing that. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I've gone from, through my techniques, I've gone from in a coma, not able to walk, with vestibular balance, so I couldn't even sit up straight anymore because my sense of balance was completely gone. And nowadays, you know, I recently, well, about a year ago, rescued a German shepherd that had been very badly abused. And he was had could hardly run. He was like a skeleton. Nowadays, every day, this dog and I, we run kilometres together. So not only am I standing and walking, I'm running again. That's amazing. And that's with this energy work. 
and the power of love, because loving, falling in love with this dog. You guys, if you don't have a dog, you've got to get one. <laughs> Go to the Rescue Association. Rescue a dog. Well, I'm, I'm not sure that we can actually take it to Canada right now because we're off to Canada next week. <laughs> I know. Lucky yes. you. Yes, it's going to be great. We're really looking forward to it. Carmel, can I just thank you so much? It's just been so wonderful to be here with Toby and to share time with you. I've just adored it. Thanks, Carmel. Well, thank you. Thank you, Ellen, Toby, for inviting me. It's been a real pleasure. And I really want you to just send me through that link. We're going to put it down so the girls, if they want to donate uh, for this movie to be made and to assist you, these girls are very generous and beautiful, uh, beautiful, beautiful beings. And if we can help you to get this story out and just, just tell it, I think it's just it's fantastic. Thank you, Carmel. Thanks for Thank you, Ellen. Bye now. Thanks. Thanks, Carmel. Bye. Bye. Bye.